Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast has been brought to you by Paleo Valley. They are one of my favorite companies because their products are super pure, full of incredible ingredients. And I want to tell you about their meat sticks. They have 100% grass-fed beef, pasture-raised turkey meat sticks that my family and I love. My kids love these because they have tons of flavor. They're completely free of carbs and sugar, and they have probiotics in them as well. So they're great for your gut, great for supporting your appetite, your satiety levels. They help you uh, feel satiated, and they help you burn fat for fuel. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, and preservative-free. So they are the top of the line. They've got some great flavors that you will absolutely love. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. I mean, my kids love these, my family loves these, and I know you will as well. So try them out, Paleo Valley, and I know you're gonna love them. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we really believe that your body was created to heal itself, and on this podcast, we focus on helping equip you with the strategies and the tools to unlock your healing potential. And today we're gonna talk all things functional medicine, gut health with a good friend of mine, Dr. John Dempster. And Dr. John is a board-certified naturopathic doctor. He's the founder and medical director of the Dempster Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. And I believe that's in Toronto. Is that correct, John? That is. Yes, Yes. that's what I thought. And Dr. Dempster focuses on a functional medicine model when treating patients who suffer from various conditions, such as mental illness, autoimmune disease, digestive disorders, and more. And as a strong believer in integrative and evidence-based medicine, Dr. Dempster has also completed an advanced fellowship in functional, regenerative, and anti-aging medicine. So welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks, David. Great to be here. Great to see you. Absolutely. Well, John, I'd love to, to our audience to know more about your personal story and how you became a naturopathic doctor and how you started doing what you're doing. You know, this goes back. I, I, I always... I have this story that's come together, but, uh, you know, we've all got this journey that we've been on. And for me, it started really when I was about 13 and, uh, you know, 
I was growing up in a pretty standard home, uh, you know, regular, very active, lots of kids, lots of athletics, had to go to school. But we didn't think too, too much about food until I had two uncles die within a year and a half of each other due to chronic illness. And that was a massive light bulb moment for, I think, my parents, who then started to have a trickle-down impact on us, uh, me being the oldest of four kids. You know, I kind of took the brunt of it probably at first with the dietary changes. Uh, my youngest brother's eight years younger than me. He probably didn't know any better. But, you know, suddenly we were that kid, those kids in a small town drinking vegetable juice before dinner and doing fish oil before breakfast and that's not your usual combo back in the in the 80s so um it was uh, an eye-opener at that time but i remember thinking and this is really what led me into biology and into pre-med degree was you know seeing what happened with my parents they were they, they are still this this timeless couple they look great and amazing and they never get sick you know aside from maybe the occasional sniffle but um, they have done great things and my siblings as well. We were always, you know, performing well and, and not getting sick. When I look around it, you know, some of my parents' friends just aren't doing that well. And, uh, and kind of to bring it together, it's like that started to really click with me. And uh, even at a younger age, so I, I went into my pre-med degree thinking I knew I wanted to be a doctor. and I knew I wanted to help people. But I was becoming a little bit disillusioned when I was asking a lot of questions about the foundation of medicine. The foundation of medicine has a lot to do with what Hippocrates said, is let food be thy medicine. And I would ask this after seeing some changes in our own family, it really made me scratch and think. And no medical school at the time was talking about this. In fact, most of the times they would be like, yeah, yeah, three hours. I'd be like, a week? How does that work? No, no, three hours in your, in your entire uh, curriculum yeah. and so when you're in school for anywhere between you know eight years plus that's not a lot of time and so the long and the short of it is naturopathic medicine popped up on my radar you ask and you shall receive it was right there in front of me uh, I checked it out at first. I was like is this really the type I wanted and then I, I literally woke up the next morning and said, yes it is changed my applications uh, well my other apps were already in and then I focused on this right away and you know, the long and the short of it, David, this is still a, a journey that I'm still trying to learn about. Mm. Functional medicine was an extension of naturopathic medicine. And to me, it really brought it together because I love science. I love technology. I love staying on the forefront of medicine. And I think now, you know, out of all time, this is the most important time in our life to be talking about what health real health and medicine is and to me functional medicine allows a lot of what we should be looking at not to eschew western medicine by any sense the tremendous efforts going on in that area right now yeah. but we now need to bring the collective and mm. bring this all together and that's really where, where my eyes opened up with functional medicine is now i can help treat the root of the problem by treating the individual not just the label so i know that's a huge uh, Huge, big rambling explanation, but that's my passion, David. That's where I come from. I have a 94-year-old grandfather who's still telling me to this day that food has got him to where he is, and he's still yeah. out there exercising for an hour and a half every day. And uh, so it's a big part of my family, and it's a big part of my, uh, my blood, and, and that's where my passion comes from. Well, I love to hear that, and especially, uh, you know, it's really encouraging to hear a 94-year-old that's out there exercising an hour and a half a day. I think that's just unbelievable. And that's really what we shall be shooting for. And I have a similar background where my mom actually became, she was a, a nurse, saw a lot of things going on in the medical model as I was growing up that she just didn't agree with. 
And she decided to study massage therapy and then naturopathy and really work with people, work with herbs. We always had our own garden, changed our diet. I was very rebellious back then. Um, didn't like the diet changes that we made. But, uh, but over time, I, I realized that healthier foods made me feel better and made me perform better. And that's kind of what she taught. If I wanted to be stronger, I wanted to be, I was an athlete growing up. If I wanted to perform better, these foods would help me. And I was like, you know what, anything that's going to help me perform better, I was all for it. And that's really what got me going on, in my journey as well. So a very similar background as far as that goes. Well, let's talk more about functional medicine, what that really is and what the difference is between that and your typical mainstream medicine. You know, I think really simply, I see myself as a health detective, and that may sound kind of silly, but really that's what it is. I'm looking at putting the pieces together. I got, I, if I have a patient show up in front of me, I look at them like they're a giant jigsaw puzzle scattered all over the place, pieces upside down, around, not, nowhere close to being a perfect uh, puzzle. And what we try to do is we try to put these pieces together by identifying where some of the hidden blind spots are. And that's what I love about functional medicine is now we can leverage certain tools and technologies that really help us gain some clarity in areas that might not be so uh, so obvious to us. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about with, with our patients, as do you, is gut health. But not every patient with gut issues presents with your typical diarrhea, gas, bloating, heartburn, you know, those usual suspects that we all think of when we think of gut issues, a lot of people, when we do the testing that we do with our patients, it reveals hidden organisms that should not be there or uh, deficits of organisms that should be there or yeah. different types of inflammatory markers and something called intestinal permeability, which is known as leaky gut. These are now things that we once speculated a lot about, but now we can actually measure these and quantify these with our patients. And, and that helps the patient understand really what's going on behind the scenes, so to speak. And it kind of pulls the curtain back and allows us to really start to see what's going on well before any symptoms arise. And if they do have symptoms, this is where we should be starting to help get rid of those. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the gut. What's, what is so important about the gut? What are we learning now about the microbiome and the gut and how that impacts everything when it comes to health? We have learned so much even in just the last few years. This is something that we're going to continue to learn. But the gut to me is the gateway for everything. If we're going to talk about chronic disease, not only treating it, but preventing it, the gut is the starting point of that conversation. Because of its ability to impact so many other systems in our body, so many other organs, uh, this is where in, in my practice, largely, we begin in the gut. Because this is our foundation. And why is that? Well. Your gut is where, first of all, roughly 80% of your immune system is. Now, isn't this a timely topic, and, you know, considering what's going on in the world right now? We should be talking about ta tackling the gut to help support people's immune system right now with different types of viruses and whatnot that are going on in our global situation. But we, this is also where a lot of our neurotransmitters and our hormones are formed. This is where our body starts to control inflammation, which... Many of your listeners right now are very familiar with that term. That's, that is how we age. This is how, this is how we degenerate if we're not careful. We want to control inflammation in our body. And it's not that we don't want to have zero. We just don't want to have an overabundance of this that starts to create rust and rotting inside of us. And so the gut to me is a real good starting point for so many integral systems that have a downstream impact on, on virtually every aspect of our patient's health. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are some of the best tests to look at gut health? What do you like to look at when it comes to, to gut health? 
we, we use a lot of tests in, with our patients and we do that to help again get that clarity so that we can really customize the plan in fact we have over 20 uh, right now i think about 250 different tests that we have access to with with our patients so from a gut perspective we still have quite a few some of my favorites are going to be things that are looking with and it sounds you know lovely to talk about but stool yeah. urine yeah. breath so forth and even certain blood markers can be helpful but one of the actual uh, labs that i absolutely love is something called the gi map mm. it's by a lab called the diagnostic solutions it's a great lab it's using dna typing and it uh, basically what that means is that in the past a lot of stool tests would rely on culturing different organisms now the technology is, is you can get a micro fragment of an organism and be able to detect that as opposed to trying to culture it in a plate now that doesn't rule out um, using those culture tests for other reasons they're still very helpful but i love using a blended approach and the gi map to me tackles so many things i can measure what's going on with different types of bacteria certain types of bacteria are much more nefarious than others and they have a great array of some of the top pathogenic organisms that we should be looking for and ultimately if we gain that insight that there's something going on there that allows us to carve out a plan once again customize uh, so that we can get rid of it. We're looking at parasites, different forms yeah. of parasites, such as protozoans and worms. We're looking at yeast. We're also measuring good bacteria. And let's not forget that we do want to make sure that we've got a healthy supply of our, our good guys, our good bacteria, because that's a big part of our vital immune support and a big part of what actually creates certain nutrients inside of our gut, specifically B vitamins. And so if we don't have a lot of these, then, then we are not only deficient in certain nutrients, then we're going to have a harder time actually absorbing some of the other ones. We're looking at different enzymes in there that are going to dictate if there's any inflammatory conditions that are percolating deeper within us. And that's really what I love to do is, yes, we have a, a huge amount of patients that come to us with actual issues that they're struggling with. And we will set out on a Program to help uh, help them uh, get to the bottom of that and, and create some healing, but I also have a large amount of patients that come to me from a preventative perspective, and they are largely aware that we need to begin at that gut to to make sure that things don't fall apart. And as I mentioned earlier, David, we're testing for for leaky gut as well, and a specific protein called zonulin can be detected. Yeah. This can also be done in blood as well, but uh, this is part of the GI map, which is a very very powerful. Uh, starting point. We also do some breath testing for people to understand if there's some SIBO. Uh, and SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And that can be really uh, troublesome for a number of reasons. Your small intestine is, is huge for absorbing a lot of these nutrients. And if we start to create some overgrowth in that area, that can start to jam up some of these pathways. And really the only true way to understand if we have SIBO is at this point it's the breath test and i think that's something that we need to be working with some of the top labs to do that and there's a number of great labs that are out there so right off the hop those are two of my favorite gut tests we do a lot of food investigation and, and uh and testing we do a lot of organic acid testing as well we do a lot of micronutrient analysis data that helps us really start to understand if there's any specific deficiencies that could be altering uh certain responses in the body and certain systems in the body and again, it really starts with what's going on in the gut. Mm, yep, absolutely. And what are some of the, you were talking about with the GI map, some of the major pathogens. What are you seeing? What sort of, let's say, bad bacteria or parasites are you seeing frequently show up on that? I'm seeing a lot of H. pylori. And yes. I don't know about you and your practice, but that stands for Helicobacter pylori. And the yeah. word helico is, as it sounds, like a helicopter. This is a little organism with a blade on it and it grows deep into your stomach lining. And it can create a huge amount of uh, inflammation and disturbance in that area. 
And I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there dealing with heartburn and reflux and so on and so forth. But what's really interesting is there's also a lot of people on these uh, proton pump inhibitor medications that are lowering forcefully your acid levels. Well, this is actually exposing you to higher risk of certain organisms because our stomach acid is meant to act as a first line barrier. It's meant to actually go in there and basically zap some of these bugs as they come out of us your foods and you know and whatnot we're, we're constantly dealing with organisms it's not about living in a bubble yeah. and never yeah. being exposed it's just a matter of how can we manage the terrain inside of us so i'm seeing a lot of h pylori which is quite troubling for, for people who have it because it can really impact their nutrient levels can create all sorts of diff, different disruptions with their stomach acid uh, and be causative for that as well so uh, some of the other organisms we see a lot of is c difficile and this is something that often we, we link to hospital settings, but I'm seeing some of the toxins linked to C. diff come up uh, over and over again. And Giardia. Uh, Giardia is another one. There's a whole array of these organisms, but those are some of the more pathogenic ones yeah. that we're seeing uh, more and more right now. Yeah, definitely. Really interesting. And H. pylori typically lives in your stomach. So when you see it on a stool test like that, we know that you know you really shouldn't see that DNA show up there. So oh, yeah. uh, typically means that there's that overgrowth. And I like that GI map test too. There's also a lot of gut function markers, like your ability to digest fat, the steatocrit marker. I love that marker. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a great marker to really understand how well your bile's flowing. And what else is on there? Secretory. Beta-glucuronidase. Yeah, Beta-glucuronidase is a great marker for anybody who's thinking that they may have a sluggish liver. Or mm. this is also going to be the tipping yeah. point to understand how women especially are balancing their hormones. Because yeah. your liver is so critical for looking at estrogen balance. And if we've got a hot, an elevated marker called beta-glucuronidase, which is in this test we're, talking, we're discussing, that can really signify that we're de dealing with excess estrogens, which would then again... A, allows to explore a deep dive into the hormonal uh, arrays as well. Uh, there's another marker on there called calprotectin, which is a significant marker of deep inflammation in the body that could be leaning towards things like Crohn's or colitis uh, well before they become uh, quite problematic. So it's just such a powerful screening tool. Yeah, absolutely. I love the GI map. Organic acid. Do you use the Great Plains or do you use the Genova? What do you like for the organic? Acid? I've used I've used them all, and right now we're using Great Plains. And yeah. uh, you know, there there there's great labs out there. What I think organic acids value is it's almost like if there had to be one test that somebody could do, it almost kind of sprinkles on a lot of different systems. It's not necessarily going to give you the most specific insights that a GI map would for gut health, but it's going to let you know if you're dealing with a situation called dysbiosis, which means an imbalance in your in your gut bacteria and parasitic uh, organisms. So it allows you to almost triage some of the systems and, and focus in and therefore uh, in the respective areas. It will also pick off areas with ketosis and fatty acid metabolism and different neurotransmitters. So it can allow you to understand, you know, where you need to, uh, to focus. But uh, we use some of those labs as well. Yeah, great tests. And they're non-invasive. You know, organic acid is basically a morning urine. Great for kids. Yeah, great for exactly. kids, right? Great for kids, you're right. Because yeah. you know, a blood draw on a four-year-old can be really traumatic. So, um, you know, a simple urine test, easy to do, something you do right at home. You, ne you don't never need to leave your house, right? You order it, comes to your home, perform, send it out, get the results, you know, in a few weeks. And again, like you talked about, gives a lot of results, really looks at mitochondrial function, uh, you know, bacterial yeast overgrowth, fungal metabolites, you know, if you're possibly being exposed to mold, 
um, B vitamins, you know, methylation, a lot of different factors like that, neurotransmitters. So it definitely gives a good full picture. I like that test as well. Um, what sort of food sensitivity test do you like? So this is, I would have to say, this is a very controversial subject because yeah. right now, in my opinion, there's no perfect food test. Yeah, I this agree. Is, we still need to, to gain a lot of understanding of what it is we're measuring. Um, so I still use them. I still will request certain labs, but they will be handpicked for certain reasons for certain yeah. people. You know, first of all, there's a massive difference between a food sensitivity and a food allergy. And I think a lot of doctors out there are still kind of blending the terms together. And, yeah. and therefore, that creates a little bit more confusion and, and disarray when it comes to discussing the validity of these tests. But if you're measuring, for example, an IgG test, which is just one way of looking at foods, that's going to look at anything potentially in the last 30 days that you've been exposed to. So that can go up or down depending on what you're eating regularly or, or overeating. Uh, it can be dependent on a lot of other things too. There are foods that are going to come up there that that person's never eaten before. And they're kind of like, hmm, how does that work? So there are false positives. I'll be very uh, straightforward about that. And there are some uh, false negatives as well. So we tr are trying to look at labs right now that are blending a few more of the antibodies. So using not only IgG, but IgMs and IgAs. Uh, there, are, there are labs out there right now that are measuring uh, lymphocytic proliferative analysis as well. And uh, basically, you know, measuring how the white blood cells respond, like ALCAD is another, another tool uh, that's working in that area. So there's, I, I wouldn't say that there's one lab that's doing it the best, but I do like Cyrex. Cyrex is doing a great job with, with combining a lot more of a deeper understanding of how cooked proteins are different than raw proteins mm. and, yeah. and so on and so forth. So especially when it comes to some of the top I would say notorious food groups like dairy and gluten and you know we yeah. there's so many tendrils and so many layers to these foods that it's uh it, it's it's a big ask for some patients to go on those types of diets especially when they may not necessarily be seeing tremendous benefits so we want to really understand is this something mm -hmm. that they should be doing yeah i, I totally agree that's I, I usually don't run those um food sensitivity tests now if somebody really wants one i, I definitely do it and cyrex is the one that i tend to lean towards but in general, I, I find that if people just, you know, try to really pay attention to their diet and what foods you feel good with and what feel, foods you don't feel good with and possibly try to eliminate things, you know, for a week at a time or so. And oftentimes you'll get the feedback. And a lot of times you can do, you know, biofeedback tests on yourself, like just checking your pulse. We put, put an almond on your tongue, uh, check your resting pulse beforehand, check it after, and sometimes... Uh, you'll notice a change. I've had people where, you know, their pulse would jump up 10 beats, right, per minute when yep. they just put an almond on their tongue, right, because their body was having such a, a stress response to that food. So sometimes you can do some of these things, um, you know, just by really trying to pay attention to your body. Uh, but, you know, definitely, uh, you know, if you want to get a deeper look, you can definitely order. So there's a lot of different food sensitivity tests that you can look at. Like he mentioned the all-cat uh, Cyrex, which looks at multiple different antibodies as well as, um, you know, looking at raw and cooked food. So I think that's a great test as well. How about blood markers? What are some of the key blood markers, you know, like, compared to like a, a typical lab where somebody goes in and maybe they get, you know, just a basic complete blood count, comprehensive metabolic panel and um, a lipid panel, right? From their, from their doctor yep. they do that once a year. What, what do you like to add on to that? to really see what's happening from blood blood perspective. 
about 10 more tubes. <laughs> yeah. I, I say that tongue in cheek, but, uh, and I think it's, you know, important to get your cholesterol and your red and white yeah. blood cells checked, but that is not the end of it. That is just the start of the conversation. So when we do a, a detailed workup, I call it my enhanced healthy living assessment panel. We're doing five pages of blood work and it's not that more is merrier. It's just that there are some critical systems that we need to understand. Are they working not only within the range, but are they working optimally? Yeah, and that's a big focus of what what we discuss here is that it's about optimal health as much as it is about being told that you're healthy because you don't have any symptoms or that you don't have any disease. Health is not merely the absence of disease. It's a giant conglomerate of, of a number of factors. And we want to help our patients have a roadmap to success. And so when we run these labs, we're looking much deeper into a lot of these inflammatory markers. We're looking into a lot of deeper immune markers, deeper cardiovascular markers. We can get into some of these if you'd like. And uh, we're also measuring nutrients through blood. Nutrients obviously are so critical. Mm. But again, it's it's interesting when a lot of people, when they first will start a conversation with us, they're like, oh, yeah, I've done a complete workup. My doctor says we, we did the most detailed thing and we're fine. And when I take a look at it, there's some massive gaps there. And again, Mm. I'd say this just in the spirit of being health and, and, uh, you know, health oriented here, not to be disrespectful to any practitioners right now. It's just, we want to make sure that we're not leaving anything on the table for our patients. Hey guys, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite food products. I mean, if you're out there and you're looking for healthy snack options or, you know, really healthy food, sometimes it can be hard to find a gut-friendly, gluten-free snack option. And that's why you need to know about Paleo Valley. They're 100% grass-fed beef and 100% pasture-raised turkey meat sticks are not only loaded with delicious flavor, but they are completely free of carbs and sugar. Such a great bioavailable protein snack to grab on the go. I oftentimes will eat them with meals too. Like if I eat a meal and I'm still a little bit hungry, feel like I need a little bit more protein and healthy fats, I go ahead and have them. You know, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're dairy-free, GMO-free, preservative-free. I mean, what's not to love about that? On top of that, they actually also have probiotics in them as well. So you're getting the protein, healthy fats, and you're getting probiotics, lots of key minerals and nutrients in there, and they taste amazing. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. My kids and I absolutely love them, and I know your family will too. So try them out today. Absolutely. What are some of the big micronutrient deficiencies that you're seeing on a regular basis? Uh, Dave, I see a ton of them. Uh, we run virtually every patient through a deep intra, uh, intracellular micronutrient panel. And mm-hmm. SpectraCells is the lab that we yeah. use a lot of. Uh, this is measuring basically what are called T lymphocytes. And this is going to make a big difference for anyone who's going out there and getting their standard blood work done for, let's say, B12 or you know calcium or magnesium. Because the difference is T lymphocytes are rather large cells comparatively to the red blood cells. They also have a much larger and longer lifespan 
they can they can survive anywhere between six to twelve months in the bloodstream. Yeah, red blood cells turn over much more regularly. So when you go in and you do your regular blood draw, it's looking really at a snapshot for a few days. But when we do a white blood cell intracellular analysis, that means inside the white blood cell, that's giving you an average of the last six months, sometimes mm. up to eight months. And so there's a big difference between what you had for dinner the night before and what's been going on for many weeks leading up to, to the draw. And so the deficiencies that we see are profound. My panel alone will measure at least 35 nutrients. And so we see a lot of vitamin D that's low. Mm. We see a lot of different B vitamins that are impacted. And, and really, you start naming it. Uh, minerals can be impacted, and so can amino acids and antioxidants. I, I see it all. Uh, but zinc, I see a ton of. Magnesium, I see a ton of. Uh, B12, quick acid. Uh, coenzyme Q10 and glutathione, we see a lot of deficiencies of. And these are massive immune-boosting nutrients that, again, are very timely to be discussing right now, but also nutrients that are designed to clean your liver and support your heart and so forth. So, you know... An informed patient is a, an empowered patient, and that's somebody who can take action for themselves, whether it's through food, supplement, or intravenous or injection. There's a lot of mediums out there to support them in this ability to, uh, to achieve the best health possible, but you've got to have a map to do that. You've got to have a GPS to get there. And if you don't, it's going to take a lot more time, a lot more money, a lot more energy, and it's just uh, it's not an efficient way to go about it. So we try to help our patients reduce the guesswork. Yeah, totally. Now let's talk about blood sugar on a on a blood test. What what sort of markers are you looking at to understand somebody's blood sugar regulation? So we run, uh, yeah, this is a great area to be discussing right now because of its ability to impact so many systems from an inflammatory and from an immune perspective. So we will run something called HbA1c. And yeah. HbA1c is one of a number of markers in the sugar area that we'll look at that tells us about long-term sugar control. I call it the caramel factor. If you start to, you know, add sugar over and over and over again, you start to caramelize your tissues. Mm. Of course, we're looking at fasting sugar, uh, which is something that's going to give us an idea. And we're also looking at fasting insulin. And insulin is that hormone that helps create balance with blood, uh, with, with blood glucose levels as it enters into your bloodstream. And we can start to get some early indicators of what's going on uh, from a, a blood sugar uh, situation. We're also looking at something called fibrinogen, homocysteine. This is bridging in a little bit more of the cardiovascular connection. What are, what are the typical ranges that you like to see on those? Let's oh, David, we're in, we're in Canadian levels. We're in Canadian <laughs> levels. That's <laughs> where we're going to meet it. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> so there's a, you know, there's a, a specific range that we're looking for in our, in our clinic right now. That again is not just acceptable on the higher load yeah. side, right? And uh, and our, our patients are getting there. And I actually will have to take a peek to see what that specific number is. Uh, you put me on the spot right now. Uh, yeah, but, no worries. I know for uh, for fasting insulin, what I like to see is somewhere between two and five, right? For a fasting insulin, okay. Yeah, we're in markers for sure. Yeah, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. up over ten. I I can't remember exactly. The, I think it's milligram per deciliter. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but uh, that's typically what I'm looking at. Hemoglobin A1C, usually between 4.5 and 5.2, ideally. Hey, there, there you go. We can speak that language. Yeah. So yeah. I like to see it around five. So yeah. that's yeah, somewhere exactly. where we are. Yeah. Um, and our glucose, I'd like to see, you know, about 4.6, somewhere in there, some in that yeah. range for, for fasting. But I think our insulin's in a different... Uh, uh, yeah, it's all, all different uh, metrics, right? Yes. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the difference, Canadian and, and Americans, right? So we all have our, our, difference, our different numbers. 
How about liver enzymes? What, um, what are yeah. you looking at with liver? Well, let me just circle back to the homocysteine, the fibrogen. Oh, yeah, homocysteine. Because yeah, let's talk homocysteine about that. It tells us a lot of information about inflammation of some of our blood vessels. It also tells us about methylation. And there are some and other conclusions we can gain from a nutrient perspective. If they have an elevated homocysteine level, that is drawn to higher incidences of cardiometabolic yeah. disease. Fibrinogen is also an inflammatory marker, but it's also a clotting marker. And we don't want to see that to be too elevated as mm. well, uh, which can be obviously uh, uh, not great for somebody who's predisposed to heart issues. Lipoproteins are really important to be looking at. Lipoproteins are important to help understand placking uh, right. versus, you know, I call them the dump trucks versus the excavators. We want to be looking at making sure that there's no early indicators of some placking or some uh, arterial damage that could be happening in there. And so if we see that, there's a tremendous number of tools nutritionally through functional medicine that we can apply to help lower those levels. So to your question, liver, yeah, the critical organ in our body for balancing blood sugar, for balancing uh, hormones, for clearing out toxins. I'm looking at a wide array. I'm looking at something called AST, ALT, GGT, ALP. Uh, I'm looking at ferritin, uh, which is a stored iron molecule, but it can give us some information about uh, uh, liver function as well. Uh, we're looking at the bilirubins, so the totals and the directs. This can give us information about bile function and gallbladder function, yeah. which is all intimately connected as well. Uh, we are paying attention to uh, a lot of the nutrients, truthfully. That's a big, big avenue to help support the liver. So when we run the nutrient panel, uh, it's so important to really start to create uh, an improved nutrient uh, pathway there to help support the liver. So that's off the top of my head. There are some uh, panels that we specifically order that are called hepatic detox panels. And yeah. these are specifically sent to labs like Dr. Data, for example, and they will actually understand what's going on with some of the detox pathways. We've got a number of them in our system, right? And they've all got to be working together. Right. And so we can get a sense if there's any hiccups along the way with those uh, detox pathways. Yeah, for sure. What are some things somebody can do to help improve their liver? Well, you're going to like this answer. Fasting is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, that, that is something that we discuss with our patients. But changing their diet is so critically important. Giving your diet and your main organs an overhaul by taking a break of a lot of the noise that's going on. And, you know, a lot of us are constantly eating through it today. That doesn't give us any time to repair yeah. or create a, a healing response uh, I'll let you go on and on about the, the fact you're the fasting guru, David. So I want, I don't, don't want to mow your lawn here, but uh, uh, there's a lot of things that we can do by increasing agents that will actually create bioflow on our body. I love green vegetable juicing and green mm. smoothies. And yeah. there's a lot of discussion out there about oxalates and, and so forth. But I'll be honest with you, I'm less worried about oxalates. I'm more worried about nutrient deficiencies mm. at this point. So you know, there are, I do have patients that we have to make events and kind of other ways that are very sensitive to different salicylates and oxalates, yeah. which are compounds that can create some inflammation in certain individuals. But it's not that common. Yeah. Um, we are targeting with a lot of different uh, botanical therapies to help improve the, the hepatic function, which means liver function. Things like milk thistle and dandelion and fenugreek. Those are wonderful, not only herbs that you can bring in and around the house, but you know, having some dandelion added to your salads, it's going to give it a little bit of uh, a little bit of attitude and a little bit of bitterness to it, which is great. Uh, but take a step back from the sugar and the carbs. Mm. And the gluten, there's a, an amazing researcher, Dr. Alessio Fasano, who yeah. many of your listeners will be familiar with. He has 
the gluten expert on the planet. And, you know, we are seeing connections between people who have not only celiac, but non-celiac gluten sensitivity mm. and how that impacts the liver. So I've got people that come to me and they've got elevated liver enzymes. I'm like, well, doc, I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life. It's not just about alcohol. This is about some of the foods you're eating and that we have to be looking at those under the limelight. Uh, there's tremendous... Uh, um, supplements. One of my favorites is, is glutathione, and glutathione has got a massively uh, important antiviral component to it. But it's just a very powerful rate-limiting nutrient for your hepatic pathways. These phase one, phase two detox pathways that I alluded to earlier—they're just so important to make sure that you're giving your body the tools to regenerate. But you don't want to be putting out a fire with one hand and creating a fire with the other hand. That's why you've got to come at it from all angles. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, just like you were talking about with a lot of those herbs, I always tell people bitter is good for the liver, right? So those bitter herbs and, you know, in our society today, we've lost the taste for bitter, but in every traditional culture, they always had some sort of bitter herb, parsley, you know, cilantro, dandelion, things like that were just common in, in, in pretty much every cuisine, ginger, you know, things like that. And so, uh, so we got to get back to using bitter. I think that's just so important for, for good, healthy liver function. Let's talk about some of your favorite foods, like what your diet looks like on a regular basis. So I, yeah, this is a great, we can talk all about this. And I'm going to preface this. I think a lot of people that tune in right now are always trying to do everything perfect. I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's not about being perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. about getting a plan together and sticking with that plan 95% of the time. And, and this is going to make it more realistic for everybody. Because if you attempt to be perfect, and if you can achieve perfection, good for you. I, I'm very impressed. Uh, but oftentimes, it creates a huge amount of stress and disappointment yeah. and frustration that, to me, is just massively detrimental to the program. So what, what I do is I just say, look, this is what we're going to attempt to do. And I'll, I'll share that with you in a moment. But we're going to stick with this 95% of the time. If you have a birthday party that is so important for your child, then there you go. You're going to celebrate and have fun. Uh, but let's make sure that we are starting to pay attention and making some appropriate changes. So what I love to do is I love to look at half of my plate for lunch and dinner. We'll talk about those two almost as if they're the same types of meals. I like to make sure that half of that plate is doused with colorful vegetables. Hmm. This is where it kind of takes away from the, the counting and the calories and, you know, yeah. all the different. it makes it just really simple for people to envision. I take another quarter of that plate and I put a real healthy protein on there. And I love my proteins. And, uh, and I, I don't say that to be disrespectful to any vegans that are out there, but I do believe that we are omnivorous animals. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of us need to be looking at the quality of our animal products. Not, not yeah. saying that uh, meat is not a, a contentious issue. It certainly has its problems. Uh, but we've got to make sure it's grass-fed. We've got to make sure it's organic. And, uh, and if we can make sure that we're reducing some of those common pitfalls, and especially as, as we prepare our meats, we don't want to be over-cooking these meats either uh, because that can create a lot of different heterocyclic amines, which are yeah. very noxious chemicals for our body. And then the other quarter of my plate is I'm, I'm going to put in some root vegetables. I love root vegetables. Mm, yeah. and, and to me, you know, I'm going to douse this with some healthy fats. I'm going to pour olive oil. We put olives and artichokes and all sorts of avocados into, our sa into the, the veggie portion, which is often a salad um, yeah. in there. But my root vegetables, I love them because they are so fibrous. They're wonderful for the gut. They're filled with prebiotics. We'll talk a little bit more about the gut here, I know. But uh, to me, that is an ideal situation for a majority of those that are out there. There are definitely people that need to tweak that. 
Mm. I have patients that have never felt better when they've stopped eating vegetables. Mm. And I have patients that have never felt better when they've stopped eating animal products. Mm. So I'm very sensitive to all sides of that. But to, to help the masses with one comment, that would be the closest thing that I would like to see. Yeah, absolutely. And so are you doing um, intermittent fasting on a regular basis? Do you, when do you exercise and what do you do for exercise? I feel best when I do it in the morning. And yeah. for me, I love to get up and go. And I'm out the door. I try to do it before the kids get up. Uh, it's not always successful. So sometimes I have to alter my day. Uh, yeah. But I feel great when I get up and I'm out the door for a run in the morning or doing some some exercises in that sense. Um, and then, you know, I do think that intermittent fasting is something we should be looking at uh, by and large. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be exceptions, but give your body that break. You don't need to wake up and hammer a massive meal in there right away. Uh, if you do feel like you're going to have issues by not eating in the morning, there are some other issues going on that we need to address. But by giving your body that chance to extend the, the, the fasting period is, is going to give you extra ability to, to create autophagy and you know, to start the healing process, reduce inflammation, and all those things that I know you've spoken many times about, David. But uh, I, I say, look, if you can do that and you're up for it, uh, we are right here to support you to do that. Yeah. And what do you personally do? What, uh, what, what do you feel best with? Do you do three meals a day? Do you do two meals? Uh, so I have a, go back and forth between that. How do you do it? I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not rigid and, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm constantly experimenting to see how I feel. And I have to say, I feel really good when I do an intermittent fast for about 16 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, of course I'm going to have meals at my in-laws, which isn't always, uh, uh going to be a fasting situation and, or at my parents uh, for that matter. It's, uh, I got to be careful who I'm picking on here, David. <laughs> but, you know, I know how I feel and I feel the best and my best may be different than one of my patients best. Right. But I feel best when I extend my, my breakfast until lunchtime, if you will. And, uh, I will wake up, but I do, I do start my day with a greens juice and that's not a smoothie. That's a juice. Yeah. And I, I'm a big smoothie guy too, but I'll do smoothies. I'll, I'll do them at different times of the day too. Uh, but when I am feeling like I want to eat, I will start my day with a smoothie. I mm. love smoothies. Yep. And you can feel so much stuff in there. So I'll alternate it. I'll do three days this. I'll do four days that. And, and I'll start to just listen to my body. Right now, I'm feeling good at alternating. Uh, going a few days of, of a little bit more of a fast and then coming in and doing a little bit more of a feast and, and so forth. Yeah. So um, how do you feel? What's your preferred yeah, I mean, I think that's a great strategy. I'm all about feast, famine, cycling, right? Kind of going through that process. For me personally, I do typically like an 18-hour fast just about every day. Um, and I eat two meals. And I, when I eat, I eat a lot, right? I eat a lot of food when I do eat. And then what I've been doing actually is two days a week, I do a 24-hour fast. I only do one meal, right? And I actually feel amazing. Like I feel, I, I feel at my best. In fact, yesterday was Wednesday. I ate lunch. And then I didn't eat again until lunch today. And I felt absolutely amazing doing this. It just for my body, I seem to respond really, really well. And I don't, I don't end up losing weight as long as I'm doing heavy strength training. I do that four days a week. And, um, and then as long as uh, I'm eating a lot when I do eat, I eat a lot. I eat until I'm really fully satiated and I eat a lot of protein. Um, and that really helps. So that's what I found that uh, that seems to work great for me. But uh, like you said, you know, that's the interesting thing about functional medicine. Everybody's different. There's no real cookie cutter program. Uh, that works for everybody. So you got to kind of experiment and find what works well for you and also different seasons, uh, you know, depending on your stress levels, things like that. 
um, different techniques can work for you. Let's talk about some of your favorite supplements. What, what supplements are you currently taking right now? I'm currently taking the following liposomal vitamin C. Mm, yeah. We, we can get into the COVID-19 going on right now to support that immune system, right? Yeah, definitely with, with what's going on, but I've been doing this for years and I believe that, you know, anything that we can do to reduce soft tissue injury, to reduce inflammation yeah. in our body, let's start it now. Uh, I'm taking a curcumin supplement, mm, love curcumin. which again, tremendous amount of properties to it uh, yep. on so many levels. I'm doing a liposomal glutathione every single day. Yep. I do, I do take a plant-based multivitamin, and mm -hmm. uh, what I mean by that, it's not that it doesn't have minerals that come from animals or anything like that, but it's got some superfoods uh, mixed into mm. it as well. Yep. I do that every day, and I'm doing a, a triglyceride ester omega-3 as yep. well. Yep. And I'm taking more and more what are called uh, specialized pro-resolving mediators, SPMs. Mm. And mm. These are uh, the company that's sort of leading the charge in this is Metagenics. They're, there's some really powerful anti-inflammatory compounds in mm. that as well. Like, I, like yourself, I'm pretty active. I still competitively yeah. ski race and uh, run and, uh, and try to keep up with my kids. So I'm right now trying to do not only damage control, but also uh, create a, a path where I want to go and, uh, and make sure that I'm still doing this stuff when, I'm, when my grandfather's age. Totally. Absolutely. So those of you guys that are listening, you know, John and I, we really live this. I mean, we are occupational athletes, right? It's like, we don't, we're not professional athletes, but we're constantly moving. We're also high performers. We carry busy schedules. We've got kids. So we really know we've got to take good care of ourselves. And so, you know, I take a lot of supplements on a regular basis. I'm constantly experimenting with different things and I find what really works. And I, I think John's, you know, you, you, you kind of follow that, that same pattern as well. Let's talk about yeah, my supplements a month ago. You know, there's some, yeah. again, constantly checking out new things and I put them on myself before I do uh, with my patients too. Yeah, exactly. And that, that way you really get a chance to say, hey, but this one really made an impact. So it's big. Yeah. Let's talk about your Healthy Gut Institute, uh, why you developed that and, uh, you know, some of the big things that, that are a part of that and how that can benefit somebody. I created that honestly because my belief is <clears throat> the gut is the gateway to everything and yeah. not only did I have a, a strong I would say affinity to helping people with Crohn's colitis and IBS going through my my training at an early stage I had some tremendous uh, uh, results with some of my patients that were just friends of mine and this was actually this is dating myself here but this is before like the internet became really popular <laughs> and we were just reading books and I was just like you know while I was in my pre-med I was helping a buddy with ulcerative colitis and we got him off his meds just by changing his diet getting him on a couple key supplements and these are things that we found in the library at my university and away we go but you know now it's the information generation we've got everything at our fingertips so what i'm trying to do is create a filtered vetted system that helps people really deal with the, the the important aspects of getting your gut gateway working and i did this on a method methodology, uh, methodology that i do with my patients called my heal methodology h-e-a-l and you know the h stands for heal and seal e stands for eliminate a stands for add l stands for lifestyle and those are all massive categories that when we're helping a patient get their gut to where it should be i based this six-part uh, program it's six modules uh, on that. And uh, we've got uh, so many different uh, resources embedded into this program. It's right now deemed by a number of experts as the most robust program right now for gut health out there. And you, David, were one of my guest speakers on the bonus uh, section of that. So thank you again for that. Uh, yourself and Dr. 
Bax and Dr. Zeno and, and a number of yep. others uh, have, have been, uh, you know, uh, been very gracious with their time on there. So that's the why. And, you know, what we've done is put this together in a no particular sequential order by giving you the actual tools to do this from home. Do this in the comfort of your, your living room right now. You know, we're all dealing with some form of self-isolation self or another right now. So I find this is the time right now to really double down on your health. Take some uh, time for yourself that, you know, instead of just crushing Netflix all day, start yeah. to, to look in ways. And there's so many programs that are out there helping people right now. This is, uh, this is time for us to improve our health on, on many levels. Yeah, that's so true. And we know that the gut is 80%, like you were saying earlier, 80% of your immune response. And uh, there couldn't be a more important time to be thinking about improving your gut health and your immune health than right now. And the cool thing is your programs, like you said, all online, all the resources are there and available. And you've got training modules where you're going through things step by step. You've got PDFs that are uh, people can download and kind of follow follow along and food lists and all kinds of stuff like that. And then you've got um, expert, expert interviews talking about all different types of strategies. I believe we talked about intermittent fasting, right? Some different things like that and how to do those things to help improve gut health. Um, so really great program. Yeah, thanks, David. Yeah, I think there's about 45 different videos on there and there's about equal amount of downloadable assets and resources. And so yeah. you can do it at any pace. Uh, it's sort of set at a pace to complete in about a month's time, but We've got patients or clients that have gone through this and far sooner than that, they kind of binge it and they go through it. And you've got that access for life. It's, it's there for you and it's uh, something that you can help yourself or your family uh, to improve their health. Yeah, totally. And, and guys, we'll have a special offer in the show notes. So definitely check that out. We'll have it in the notes. If you're watching it on YouTube, it'll be below. Uh, and then if you are watch, if you're listening on the podcast, just go to my website, type in uh, Dr. John Dempster, you'll be able to pull up the show notes for this and we'll have a special offer on his Healthy Gut Institute. So definitely check that out. And John, you know, I just want to um, acknowledge you for uh, being a leader in functional medicine, being somebody that's out there on the front line, helping thousands of people all around the world doing virtual uh, medicine as well as in your clinic and, um, you know, just being a pioneer um, as far as leading the functional medicine movement and helping people again all around the world and uh, putting out this Healthy Gut Institute and helping people now uh, from a virtual setting with that as well. So thanks so much for all your contributions and thank you for being a part of the show today. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, John, always great talking with you. You are uh, one of the most positive, upbeat, and uh, enjoyable people that I know. So thanks again. Tell your wife I said hello. And for all, the, all those of you out there that are listening, remember, you are more important than you think you are. So start taking action today to improve your health and allow your body to do what it was designed to do. Heal and repair. All you've got to do is remove the interference and allow it to do what God put, put inside of you, this innate intelligence, so you can heal and repair. And we'll see you guys on a future podcast. Be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. 
And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life. You know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.